Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Property World. I'm Will Mallard, Social Impact Investor, and we're joined by Rhys Bruth and James Pick. Uh, great to have you on, guys. Uh, James, do you want to briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, uh, I'm, uh, I'm James Pick. Um, I, am, uh, uh, I founded uh, Connection, which is a, a lettings and property management solution that helps um, growing portfolios, uh, growing landlords, um, uh, manage effectively the all of the challenges relating to the kind of the, the operational and financial aspects of their properties. And, and your your sweet spot is uh, t- typically um, uh, portfolio uh, level uh, landlords. Yeah, definitely. Um, I am. Um, I, I think that's where the problems start arising, and it's where kind of systemizing and and, and picking up um, tools improves the communication between your own team, which is really where I want it to be. If I can, if I can optimize my customers' teams, they can then, uh, they can then support far, far better their, uh, their customers being landlords or. Um, uh, and, the, and the complexity uh, that you're dealing with in an HMO portfolio uh, might seem extreme if you're the HMO uh, operator, um, but it, it's relatively simple stuff compared to some of the global uh, software projects you've been working on for uh, so, some pretty Over the big years. Companies. Yeah, I, I've taken a lot of fun. So I, I'm uh, my background is big corporate uh, operations, uh, scaling business. How do you make new use of the, the right team members in the right locations to perform specific jobs? Um, and um, I've really wanted to take that out um, and put it into a solution for obviously smaller organisations. Um, but uh, but yeah, actually, um, the the problems are always difficult until you can articulate them well. Uh, and once you get that down, it, you, it, it massively simplifies, and uh, uh, and that's where I think uh, the journey with Reese actually. Reese has um, uh, joined a connection a while ago, and I, I think some of his experiences uh, have been amazing in in that sense. And we'll we'll be able to uh, drill into some of the detail of uh, how that relationship's been going. Uh, uh, but James, how would someone reach you? What's the single best way? Um, Connection.com, our website, um, fill out a form or um, um, from there, um, any of the socials with Connection, drop, drop me uh, an IM and I'll uh, happily have a conversation around uh, your, your scaling challenges, which is kind of what I, I en- energizes me the most. Fantastic. And, and we'll be focusing on uh, how uh, the, the management of an HMO portfolio uh, can either limit or accelerate your ability to uh, to scale uh, as a business and uh, indeed as a, uh, as an investment. Now, Reese, you're, you're very welcome. Um, 
Thank you you want much. to uh, briefly let the listeners know um, who, who you are and what you're up to and uh, <laughs> where it's all headed. Yeah, lovely stuff. Thanks for having me on, Will. Uh, so my name's Reese. Um, we run a lettings um, sort of asset management business based over in Lincolnshire, uh, basically providing sort of asset management and portfolio management services for um, sort of larger scale investors and developers uh, across the Midlands. So that's a very brief summary of what we're doing. Uh, fantastic. Uh, how many rooms are you at uh, currently? Uh, currently, it's uh, just over 130 rooms. Uh, wow. Managed. Wow. So we okay, deal with so um, sort of uh, anything from um, professional HMO, student HMO, uh, standard vanilla AST um, type stock, uh, and then into commercial and residential as well. Fantastic. And uh, you're a, uh, a user of uh, Connection yourself as a software tool. Um, yeah. How have you found it so far? Yeah, it's, it's been the key to scale for us. So it's basically, we, ha we have, um, we come from sort of a fairly system and process driven background. Um, so we were sort of fairly functional in that respect. Um, but sort of combining that skill set with a software set up uh, to sort of allow us to scale, really sort of maximise our growth. Um, kept us lean as an operation as well, which has been really brilliant throughout COVID. It's kept our overheads down. Um, and it's meant that we can sort of continue to deliver a high quality service pretty, pretty efficiently, to be honest. Fantastic. And, and if uh, someone was wanting to uh, get, get in touch, they might be a landlord uh, somewhere in the Midlands and they want to get a, uh, usually they're after a price, but uh, to start the conversation, what, 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 how do they, they get hold of you? Uh, best thing, just shoot me a message on uh, LinkedIn. So I'm on LinkedIn under Reese Booth. So R-H-Y-S-B-O-O-T-H, just ping me a message on there. F fantastic. So uh, what, what got you into property, Reese? Interesting question. <laughs> so um, Babyface, 22 years old, uh, literally just graduated university. We set up the business in 2019. Um, for me, it came from a point of, uh, I guess every, it's a bit of a cliche to say, it, isn't it? But I was sort of had a, an interest, a slight interest in property when I was younger. Um, I, I studied product design and didn't really fancy going down the career path. Um, so I started networking, met my business partner at a networking event. Um, he's a portfolio landlord and investor himself. Um, so I added value to him through sort of creating digital assets, supporting with websites. Um, and then sort of as my knowledge around the industry expanded, we partnered up. Uh, initially built the lettings business to sort of manage his personal portfolio. Um, and as the systems and processes got more and more sophisticated, it was to a point where we could say, actually, we've sort of got a minimal, uh, minimum viable product here that we could start to offer out to other um, sort of investors and clients. Um, and from there, it just sort of snowballed to the point where we are today. Uh, so three years in. Uh, and so th there's a, a, up to 130 rooms now. Um, you, you don't do that without uh, good, good systems. Um, what, what would be the, uh, the basic framework of how you think about your business from a, a management point of view? So it's, for us, it's sort of like um, operational efficiency. So the framework is the stock needs to be managed as efficiently as possible. So how much resource can we dedicate to X amount of stock before the re, uh, before the resource needs to take the next step in development. So the framework is set up in, I guess you could say chunks. So when we get to this uh, number of units, we need to expand our resources by this much, and that sort of snowballs as we as we grow our operation. 
so, so, so like a, a series of plateaus or, or scaffold planks as you're, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're building up. I, th I think I'll add uh, what, what I really like about how uh, Reese thinks on these operational, it's, it's also about getting the right resource performing the roles. So there's no point getting having an expensive guy that's there to do the pitch to actually land the new landlord having to do some accounts or having to re resolve an issue of a tenant uh, having a leaking tap. Uh, he set up the, the, the foundations to allow Kind of rapid movement to get that the right admin teams doing um, whether it's call center or whether it's doing finance uh, leaving uh, leaving himself and the rest of his team uh, focused on um, scaling the business okay and, and how um, how as you go through each of these uh, phases of growth what what, what are some uh, hiccups that you've had uh, over the three years, because you didn't start with 130. Uh, this is where you say we, we started with 500 and now it's 130. <laughs> well, we definitely didn't start with 500. And, uh, you know, uh, the same with everybody else, we definitely sort of learned from a lot of experiences. And touch wood, we haven't really had too many sort of like catastrophes, if you will, just sort of coming from um, sort of the position that we started. So, as I say, I was fortunate to join forces with my business partners who are very switched on and have a great business acumen. So everything from the start was set up with a system and a process. So there wasn't ever sort of massive fires that we had to fight. Um, so to, yeah, to tell you the truth, we haven't had too many sort of issues when it comes to dealing with HMOs. Everything has been fairly plain sailing. I think the issues were sort of more on the back end in terms of developing out our processes to, be, to become leaner uh, and more efficient and then how we can sort of continue to scale whilst remaining as efficient as possible so I, i'd say that ch the challenge lay more on that side rather than the you know the day-to-day -day. one of the uh one of the earlier podcasts uh that we've done on hmos uh, there was a really simple illustration how if a a landlord or a, uh, a property manager has an ability to create a, a 10 pound net margin increase within a NHMO as opposed to a room. Uh, you times that out by a year, uh, that, that takes it up to 120. If you were to apply a, uh, a 10 times multiple just for a, a simple calculation and it's going to vary uh, what that multiple will mean to a, um, a landlord in London versus one in Preston versus what uh, one in yep. the Midlands. Uh, you're, you've created a, a thousand pounds in, uh, in potential uplift value on a yield valuation. Now, if you can do something that takes you an hour to do that, that extra 10 pound margin, uh, the absolute ideal is that you then uh, take that onto a per room basis or, or that you've got a series of these things and uh, that obviously applies out further. Uh, so the more properties you have in your, your portfolio um, and, and your ability to find those, uh, those small wins in margin, um, how, how much of it is, is having the time and how much of it is having the information uh, to decide what to do, in your opinion, Ras? Yeah, it's definitely, there. there's two sort of elements to that. So the first off would be the asset management point of view. So obviously using the system that we have in terms of connection, what we would do for um, a certain number of clients 
is we all run those asset management based reports on a sort of a six month or 12 month basis. And if the figures aren't sort of increasing, um, then we'll look to sort of apply those rent increases to make sure that we can um, sustain sort of an increase in net profit in the asset. Um, and sort of the second, the second type or the second way that we deal with a situation like that would be through sort of tenant optimization. So let's say there's um, an underperforming uh, investment property, let's say, for example, over in Doncaster, where you've got quite a large oversupply of stock at the moment, I, I would personally say. Um, you're probably fine that you can become, you can make the asset a lot more profitable by optimizing the tenant type. So for instance, one way that we've helped a few of our landlords is to move into the social housing sector uh, or the care sector, where we put a different tenant type in there. We can secure um, a rental amount over the period of, of five to 10 years. And then when you look at net figures over the, um, over the same period between a sort of like a social housing model or a social housing tenant, to a private tenant, you'll find that the net yield actually works out stronger, but that's where the, the sort of generating the asset management reports helps to illustrate that because without those asset management reports, you're not going to have a true indication of what your net figures actually are. And how often would you recommend uh, someone should look at that, uh, that level of detail across their portfolio? It depends how many units, uh, personally, it depends how many units you have. Um, uh, I'd probably be looking to to run it at least once a year. Uh, and it's always, uh, uh, I suppose, informative to uh, have that that insight as to what what it might yeah. be uh, as an alternate use or where you, you've changed uh, one of the factors. How about implementing uh, some of these things? Because it's not the easiest thing in the world to uh, switch over to a social housing provider. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of the, the work that we're doing is built, it's come off the back of strong working relationships over the past five years. Um, so because of the, the undersupply in the market, it's definitely easy to approach housing providers and say, look, I've got this stock in this area. Can we get it over? You know, and, and they're nine times out of 10, they're probably going to say yes. Um, but if you don't have sort of experience in what that actually entails day to day, and I think quite a lot of people get caught out um, especially with all the stuff that you see on social media, where you've got people selling deals that saying like uh, five years guaranteed rent, there's a purchase price, et cetera. You don't have to do anything for the next five years. You just watch the money come in. When in reality, sort of a, a good chunk of our HMO portfolio is social housing um, in the social housing sector, sorry. And it, it's not passive. <laughs> it's, it's not passive. Yeah, uh, there's, uh, there's been some recent storms as a, a quick illustration where, um, to, and it varies immensely in terms of what the lease terms are uh, to the providers, but, but typically the landlord remains responsible uh, for the building envelope. And uh, if there's tiles off the roof or uh, that there's some uh, issue with the exterior of the building, um, the onus is on you uh, under the terms of the lease to uh, remedy that in a, in a timely fashion. I, I, I suppose um, you'd, you'd want to get it sorted out anyway uh, if, if there was missing loose tiles, uh, roof tiles at least. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where from sort of a um, an operational perspective, we add quite a lot of value to our clients because we can deal with those situations in volumes. Now, James uh, Pick, we, we might just bring you in um, your you're from a systems background, your, uh, your consulting experience in large organisations um, is, 
you know, a long time, big numbers, uh, yeah. and, and your ability to drill into details. What What are the the key questions that uh, you've been asking uh, as a software developer? Uh, thinking about the HMO market and scaling a portfolio. So, so, for, so for me, I mean, in kind of in, in any quest, any any kind of scenario, I, I often start with conversations around we need this piece of functionality, um, and 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 that could be anything from communications and and um, or or finances or. Uh, but actually, the, where it really gets landed is is asking actually what are you trying to achieve. Um, and I, I get that the biggest advantage and biggest um, I, I, I like to drive value. I like to add value. I want my product to phys- I want to physically see a return coming to the customers. And unless I truly understand what they're trying to um, achieve, whether that's better transparency for their tenants, whether that's a quicker return of problems, whether it's to see where the problems keep recurring in the same place, um, it's um, finding that out and actually working with uh, working with customers um, ha- has has a massive effect. I, I uh, and as a consultant. Um, you always had the advantage that you had multiple different customers learning the same problems from. And it actually doesn't change when you start trying to provide a, a software as a service to, to um, the, the, the likes of Reese and Letco. Um, they have problems, but other customers actually have very similar problems. Uh, and the more I can talk and the more I can understand, um, they share each other's. Um, and, and, and at the moment, well, I, I mean, it's brilliant for me as it is because um, I, I'm, I'm getting knock-on effects where we try and resolve a problem for Reese, um, and then two months later, somebody has something extremely similar um, that, that is already available in the product as a result. So, so for me, yeah, understanding actually the, the, the kind of the what rather than the, the what you're trying to do, what is your actual problem rather than has this functionality got um, in place. Um, specifically for HMOs, it's it's all about transparency and communication in my mind. Um, you, you've got to get the, the right environment. Um, that what one problem person in a particular property is going to cause problems for everyone else, uh, and it's how do you create an atmosphere, the culture within that uh, uh, within that HMO, so that that the, the the problem is quickly identified, resolved, remedied, um, and and you learn from that experience. And in terms of um, what, what sort of answers to that question of um, what, what is it you're trying to achieve? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind to of... give us a, a flavour and, and maybe how that then plays out in, uh, in the interactions for uh, helping manage uh, the portfolio a little bit better specifically. So, so I suppose it comes, I could probably break into three elements. One is I want to know more about my, my portfolio, my assets. Um, the other is how do I resolve kind of the day-to-day challenges of stuff coming in um, and, and being efficient and effective. And, and then, of course, well, we can't forget the finances. Now, Reese has already said finance, um, um, finance evaluation is absolutely critical in decision making. Um, and if we can provide the right finance uh, information, whether it's at the individual units, whether it's at the building or whether it's at across the whole portfolio, you should be able to find the anomalies that say something's wrong. Um, and it's only kind of when you're able to aggregate that information up, can, can you really see actually, do I need to make a change to um, a room, a property, a unit or otherwise? Um, yeah, the, the, 
the, the comms is um, comms is always essential. It, it's just like you, if you can set the right expectations with a landlord, with a tenant, with a supplier, um, th those expectations reap you benefits. And um, all I'm trying to do is is allow you to see the problem before it hits you, or allow you to allocate something quicker so that you can move on to the next thing and, and ensure you don't drop stuff. And uh, no, nobody wants to be forgotten. And uh, if you raise an issue, you want to know somebody's looking at it. And uh, uh, that they're probably, I mean, that's HMO. I mean, that, that, that's business as a whole as well. I mean, that, that's a philosophy I take with, with kind of any of this stuff, actually. And, and so, Rhys, um, do, do you have a couple of practical examples where uh, you've identified a, an issue, uh, you've changed how you've looked at it, which has then changed uh, what you've done, what your actions are, and changed the result? So, do you mean from like a, uh, like a tenant management point of view or like an asset management point of view, or from sort of us using the software and making a recommendation? Uh, from the, 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 the business, the, the wider management perspective. Okay, yeah. Uh, I guess so. a good example would probably be how we used to deal with student move-ins. So for our student cycle, um, sort of getting the, as sort of the whole of the property and um, the process, sorry. So when the, the last set move out to the inspections, um, any maintenance that needs done before the new tenants move in and move in. Um, so I guess a way that sort of we've um, developed that process would be all, all, pretty much all of it is a result of sort of using connection pretty much. So when the um, tenants get their sort of the move out process, that's all delivered like automatically through connection. Then you've got the, um, the checkout report, again, all automatically done. And then the inventory, attaching all of the proper moving documentation. That, so what we're, what we're able to do is basically create, create sort of um, a case and that case acts as sort of like a template so that it means any member of the team that we can bring in, all they have to do is add the contact information into the case, um, attach the relevant documents, which are already attached to the property and click send. So it's a, it's a truly scalable process because there's no training. Nobody needs to know what documents need to be sent. Nobody needs to know, um, you know, why we need to send the EPC or why we need to send the EICR. They just know that this is what, you know, this is what's attached and you click send. That opens up a, a big time-saving uh, element, but also uh, you, the, the level of data that you, you build up. Um, yeah, exactly. Because we're... In terms of, you know, what you're buying next or um, yeah. et cetera. Exactly. So from that end, we get it right once. So whether that's a sort of a high level conversation with, um, a high level member of the team or, or myself, whatever, we put in the time to set the property up on the system. Once it's set up, the certificates automatically, when they're renewed, they attach to the property. We have the tenant information, click send, whole process is done. Um, especially now with the, the sort of new feature that we're just starting to incorporate with the key management system, that's gonna add that extra layer um, that we're sort of looking to fully complete that, like the student piece. Um, but yeah, it, it, that is ultimately scalable. I mean, in my um, turnaround times is quite a, an important metric on operational effectiveness. And um, I, I've never had that since I started Connection, I don't really get an opportunity to have those kind of conversations. Um, 
But actually, Reese is absolutely on this and, and wants to know how his turnaround times at individual levels um, is, is growing, shrinking or being managed. And it's, um, it, it's as a result of ruthless standardization of their process. Um, and standardization doesn't mean it's it's not um, what would be the word um, it, it's not focused on the individual's needs. It's just they've got a standard process to actually achieve it. Um, but once they've got that, then they can see where their gaps are, how do they uh, how they efficient, where they may have bottlenecks, uh, and where they may even need new resource. And it's uh, it, it, it's it's really nice. To, I, I get a lot of um. Uh, they put a lot of pressure on me. Some of my best clients put the most pressure on because actually it's about here are our issues. Can you can we grow together on it? Um, and and that, that, that makes my my product team. They love it because they're, they're, they're solving. They see the issues. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it, it makes it never buy some software expecting it to be something that you can't ever talk to anybody about. Um, because you're never really going to be able to embrace it properly. So quickly, sorry, Will. Um, just following on what James has said there, that like, and that sort of oversight allows us to build the framework for what we're trying to do. So if we know that turnaround times are decreasing by this much, or then that gives us a model to roll out and scale. So that if we know that currently it's taking um, this much resource and and it takes this long to deliver. And that's how we build the framework to say, right, if we want to get to the point where we manage a thousand HMO units, then I know exactly what my framework is going to look like, which then comes down to I'm going to know exactly what my stuff, uh, my software costs are. I'm going to know exactly what my staffing costs are, my, staff, my team costs are, and it allows me to fully map out that journey. Well, that's great stuff, guys. I'm going to, in a moment, ask each of you, and we'll start with you, James, just the three key tips that you have for a property investor who has a existing HMO portfolio that they're looking to scale up a level of more than 50% over a period of time. So. Um, if they're at you know 10 that they're going to take it to, to 15 if they're at you know 50 they're going to take it to 75 if they're at 100 uh, 150 I'm just demonstrating that I can do the math but um, <laughs> um, and then and then the same from you, know, you, you rest from your, your perspective so just three quick tips um, that you you'd give to people who are uh, at they've decided they're going to uh, go up a notch. Um, what, what would your advice be? Uh, record keeping. Uh, is, is your, will your record keeping scale? So if you're on Excel and um, you, you can that double in the volume of, uh, of throughput without it breaking. Um, uh, and from that then resource, if you're a one man or two man band, what happens if it was five? Can you see everything still working or do you see um, things breaking down? I, I think by uh, all of this is about just foundations. Take a step back and go where I am today with each of the aspects, whether it's financial oversight, whether it's record keeping, whether it's how do I communicate with my team? Can I see it growing? I, I kind of often say um, if, if you tripled the volume or quadrupled the volume, can you still see it working how you're doing it today? Um, and uh, the, the sooner you look at that, the, the, the more you'll free yourself up then to be able to uh, to be able to make proper business decisions, which is the only thing that really will 
allow you to scale in the first place uh, in a way. Okay, thanks, James. And Reese. Yeah, I think for me, it, it depends on a couple of factors. So obviously, when we talk about scale, it's like, how big do you want to get realistically? Because uh, as James was saying, there's only so much that you can physically do by yourself. Um, but I guess the my top tip probably be um, the best one, tenant optimization. So how often are you looking at your portfolio as a whole? How often are you looking at your tenant split? So if I ask you today, do you know what percentage of your portfolio is private tenants? What percentage is students? Um, what percent is social housing? Would you be able to tell me those numbers instantly? Um, and the benefit you get from that is, is obviously sort of, uh, as we've seen with COVID, some of those sectors have been hit massively. Um, if you know that you have a um, some variety in your portfolio backed up by those numbers, then you know, you're, you're probably going to safeguard for um, the foreseeable. Uh, second thing, I guess, would probably be um, quite, I guess, a simple one, but rent reviews. Um, a lot of people I see don't really sort of review um, rents just because they don't have that um, asset management oversight. So again, it, you know, when, when was the last time that you increased your rent by, by 10% or, or 5%, whichever, whichever you want to do? Um, and do you have a process in line to say, um, after, after 24 months, my rent's automatically going to jump by X due to inflation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I guess the last tip for me, which is probably going to be quite biased because I'm an agent, but if you really are looking to scale, I don't think, um, I don't think you're going to be able to do it without sort of a, some professional oversight, whether that's in a sense of regulation, uh, asset management, or um, just standard day-to-day -day management. Once you get past the sort of 10 unit level, I would say you're entering a realm of coming on at least a part-time job. Well, guys, that, that, that was fantastic. Uh, I'd encourage people to uh, look, look the two guys up. Uh, so Reese Booth on LinkedIn um, and James Pack at connections.com um, or .co.uk, is it? Uh, .com, yeah, connection.com. Yeah. All, all yeah. my LinkedIn is perfectly fine. Uh, so yeah. so connection.com, we managed to say it uh, four times. So, so that's... <laughs> 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 so, uh, so thanks very much guys i'm will mallard uh this is my property world podcast uh have a look through the back episodes and please share with uh, someone who's in a hmo portfolio and uh, give them some value thanks very much yes welcome to my property world a light and informative look at all things property we have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.